Welcome to the second episode of the sixth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to an incredible community member from London. She's a customer-obsessed leader for the world's pioneer in intelligent automation, where she's responsible for delivering a world-class customer experience globally. She's also an accomplished expert in building and managing award-winning B2B communities, customer marketing, and ideation programs that bring tangible and measurable benefits to businesses. In 2022, she was named one of the top B2B marketing innovators. And let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest, CX sister, Charlotte Kennett. Hey, Charlotte. Hi, Claire. <laughs> How are you doing today? Good, thank you. The sun is shining and it's put me in a really good mood. So all good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good too. Um, with the sun coming out, I'm starting to get a little bit of hay fever, but <laughs> so apologies for any snifflers to the listeners, but welcome to the Women in CX podcast and welcome to everybody who's listening or watching along. So Charlotte, let's just jump straight in there and ask the first question, which is to tell the audience how you found your way into the Women in CX community and the kind of things that you've been getting up to whilst you've been here. Definitely. And yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really happy to be here today. Um, Pretty simple, actually. Um, I got promoted from basically customer marketing lead to um, head of customer experience last year. Um, And although customer experience has always been at the center of everything that I've done in my career, career, um, from community uh, community management and uh, customer marketing, I've never really sat under the customer experience umbrella. And I felt a bit illegitimate and I was like, oh, let me make sure that I ramp up and I am able to create the skills that makes me a good CX leader and really just make sure that I'm able to give this, you know, this this job justice and also fill in some of the professional and also personal gaps I might have as becoming a leader. So I was looking at various ways that I could do that. And actually, I can't remember how I came across the Wix community. Um, And I just looked into it and really never looked back. Um, Obviously, community management is a big part of my career and who I am as a professional. And the community is just so nurturing. And it's it's really just help about building connections and addressing not only the, the job as a CX person as a CX leader but also the skills and the humans and also the the skill set of you know ramping up as a leader so I've joined multiple activities from joining mm-hmm. in on the actual community to some of the events online and offline um, and just having a network um, and people to bounce ideas off it can sometimes feel a bit lonely um, mm-hmm. it's just been good to have this safe space and this safe group of people that you can be like am I out of line here, you know, or how do, how do I prepare for this really difficult conversation? And it's just really good to have this as a resource to, to lean on. Oh, so good to hear. And thank you so much for also contributing to our resources. So I know you came and did a masterclass uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
to share your insights into community management and customer experience and how all that connects together as well so yeah I think the 360 degree experience <laughs> of taking part receiving value um, giving value back to your CX sisters it's been wonderful to see your growth as well and I'm just so glad you found us <laughs> um so and I guess yeah like because I've built an online community and never had any idea how to build an online community I'd never managed a community before um so I remember when you were joining I was thinking oh god <laughs> I hope my community experience is good enough but you've been so helpful to me as well in uh helping me understand uh, <laughs> maybe some of the nuances that I had I'd missed but yeah hope you're having a good community experience it sounds like you are <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely and that's the thing it's interesting I was um I was at an event with a member of my team last year and it was um it was a customer success event actually and again the topics around customer experience and community management and customer marketing and all of those customer centric things and she looked at me and she says but Charlotte this is just common sense and I'm like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's literally just common sense and you know the reason why this community works is because it's people centric you you know you understand your people you understand the needs and you're building that engagement you know you didn't do it as a tick box exercise and you use your common sense and that's (laughs) why it works so yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> Bestowing compliments on one another. Oh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm sure the audience would love to know more about your career journey and how you ended up where you are today. You mentioned like quite a few different avenues in terms of community and marketing and our customer experience. Please unveil yeah. to our listeners how you got where you are. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's really interesting because I got into where I am today by being a bit of um, a weirdo and a bit of a nerd um so oh yeah you were a gamer weren't you yeah Yeah, well in my so yeah in my in my kind of early 20s um I was at university and just didn't really know who I was and what I was doing and I was just very very involved in online communities at the time it was for a music band and I ended up becoming the president of a fan club of a heavy metal band and (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I just spent all of my spare time, you know, building the fan base for this band. And I was doing, I was going to all of their tours and street teams and just doing a lot to build. And then we'd kind of built this community of people and around the bands and we created an official website and um, it was amazing. And they actually are pretty, very niche, but pretty well known within this niche. And when they changed labels, they asked us to start needing to pay to continue being like official fan club. And I'm like, well, I'm working for free for 35 hours a week just because I'm a passion. I'm not going to pay you. And that really soured my experience of the whole band and the music industry and all of that. And I was going to say they should have been paying you to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was it was interesting. Um, and actually, when I needed to do my master's dissertation, so I was doing a master's in marketing, I actually ended up doing my master's dissertation on how brands and marketing strategies can um, leverage online communities. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of from that experience of being that, that, you know, that kid, I mean, in my 20s, just trying, figuring out who I am and using my hobby and my passion seeing that there's actually an opportunity for brands to do this properly and this was very much in the early days of social media Mm -hmm. um and i did my end of uh, master's internship in the video games industry and worked in the games industry some time and really looking at building 
that relationship between the brand, the games, and for the games to understand more what the players wanted and just federating these communities. So um, fun fact, actually, I created the Pac-Man Facebook fan page at the time. Um, oh. which is now <laughs> yeah but I mean Facebook fan pages aren't a thing anymore but it would have probably been more wowy a few years ago um, and then from there I actually moved into the software industry um, to become a consultant in community management and my biggest frustration while working in software I love being a consultant got to travel around is that marketing just didn't get it you know it's fluffy marketing and the white papers and all it's like all I could see was there's so much potential if we educated people better if we spoke to the end users more we would be able to sell much more and Again, I'd spent three and a half years doing that, and it was really, really great. Got to see so much more about how you do community management. But just that frustration with marketing about, like, you need to talk to people, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the very early days of, of customer marketing. Um, and I actually then moved into the marketing team of that organization, and they gave me an opportunity to, to kind of work in the EMEA field marketing team. And I hated field marketing. And I mean, I love my old boss and he, I remember him telling me, you know, B2B marketing, we're unlucky because 20 years ago it was easy. We just took people out for dinner and went playing golf for them. And now it's very different. And very connected to sales, isn't it? We might want to yeah. clarify for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. So field, field marketing and field marketing. Yeah, yeah. So field marketing, especially in B2B tech, um, field marketing is basically there to help build the demand um, and help build the pipeline for sales. So here to kind of create hand raises um so it was i had the region which was was europe and my role was to kind of take the central marketing message bring it to the region and making sure that i created hand raises for the sales team oh and you um, say hand raises does that mean like lead gen yeah lead generation yeah so it's like oh i'm interested in in your platform which was again online communities mm -hmm. and I was, I mean, I, I hated it and I loved it in the, in the sense that it was one of the best schools I ever went to. So although my qualification was in marketing, field marketing, and because of the leadership I had in that company, it was just very well orchestrated. We had a really strong operations team and it just helped me understand the mechanics of lead generation, demand generation, and just the diligence and what it takes to, to build a pipeline. Mm but I hated that I was measured on acquisition and I just wanted to work with customers. I just wanted to make our customers successful. I just wanted to tell their stories. I wanted to help them grow. Um, I actually soloed one of the biggest deals just because of me building a network of people that are passionate about what they're doing. And that's when I realized it's like, but there has to be something, you know, there has to be something that is, marketing and customers and again this very very early days of customer marketing where customer marketeers were basically people that wrote case studies anyway fast forward five years where we are now so joined this company called blue prism um five years ago and i was hired as you know the second person of the cx team as a customer marketing manager to figure out what does post-sale marketing look like for blue prism and through that time, we launched our online community. We launched, obviously, the case studies and use cases. Um, but we've built 
um, a platform and a team that is inclusive of marketing to customers and building that demand for growth and expansion, but really that is focused on that relationship building, that is focused on that community building, leveraging that voice of the customer that goes beyond marketing messaging, but that really helps the companies. So we are a CX team. I often feel illegitimate in calling us a <laughs> CX team because I report into the chief marketing officer. Um, but I do, the more I speak to people, the, the more I do think that there is some legitimacy to us being in marketing because there are some skills that marketing offers. There's some resources that marketing offers. So anyway, that was a long way to talk about it all, Claire. I'm sorry. No, please do not apologize. That's super interesting. And we'll definitely come back to um, the link between customer experience and marketing shortly. I know for me personally, the most success I ever had in big corporate organizations was when I was reporting into the marketing director. So um, I think we're going to be on the same page about the value of bringing those two things together. Um, but yeah, one thing that just reminded me of, and I never, ever thought of this, was when I was at uni, I built a community because... Um, I created the equestrian society <laughs> at my uh, my uni, which was just happened to be an agricultural one, and started the eventing team. But I've not really thought about this, but like it literally had to start it from scratch, had to get a position on the student union board, um, had to recruit members, um, had to create merch. We all had our own t-shirts with them, well, rugby Love shirts it. actually, with the names on the back. I've never to this day thought that that is actually connected in any way to what I do now. Yeah, um, it's, but... it's it's about build, building a sense of connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's still going now, um, like almost 20 years on <laughs> which is cool um so yeah so you know kind of this amazing career journey you sampled a lot of stuff you found out like what you wanted what you liked what you didn't like you kind of got created this vision for where you wanted to mm -hmm. fuse some of the stuff that you love together but what was one big barrier or challenge you had to overcome to become the woman you are today yeah um that's a really good question and I think it's a it's about the journey of acceptance who I am mm -hmm. unconditionally um sounds a bit weird um I've not sound weird at all I totally okay <laughs> um I've always been really quirky I've always been a bit weird um I've always been just a bit, a bit different um and growing up I always had I've always wanted to have a career I've always wanted to be have ambition um when I dropped out of uni didn't know what to do my mom was like well what do you want to be and it's like I just want to be the boss just yeah <laughs> love it um <laughs> it's like oh but you know you're very good at telling people what to do Charlotte which you know yeah um but again my vision was always being women wearing business clothes you know like the business women and it's like but there's no room for me in business being a, a bigger girl just being a bit weird liking nerdy things and just haven't had until recently haven't had role models of like you can be who you are and still be successful and I think it's really and be, add to that wanting having kids because I've got a three-year-old how dare you you know want to have a career and ambition and have kids you know um 
and also be yourself and be quirky and play video games you know <laughs> it's just again growing up always having that vision of what a successful woman looks like and I don't think I had a lot of that role models um or the opportunity to kind of see what that looked like and again working the video games I was clearly told that as a woman I would not have the same opportunities because I just happened to be a woman right and that was only 10 15 years ago that was 15 years ago so I think the biggest blocker is just was just what I had in my head of like I can't do it because I'm just not the normal not you know your standard person you're going to see and again the imposter syndrome so I think this it's taken me a long time to get to that point of being comfortable of like yeah you know my handbag is a handbag and I've got it here it's has pac-man on it and <laughs> uh, unapologetically go into the office with it and i'm presenting our awards next week with a wonder woman t-shirt and that doesn't make me less of a professional and that doesn't make me less of good at my job um but i'm also unapologetical about who i am but yeah it's taken me a while to get to this point and just yeah stopping trying to just fit in and just be myself really you know, what kinds of things did you do to help you accept yourself um asking for a friend yeah 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 because um, <laughs> you because you used some really strong words there didn't you like accepting yourself unconditionally yeah and um, I think you mentioned a few examples there that there are a number of conditions placed on what makes somebody successful oh, I think media's I, had a lot to do with that um, 10 years ago I was you know I actually had a salesperson tell to me that I'd probably be more successful in my job if I lost weight oh my god and when I went to HR and told them that they were like oh but you know he didn't mean bad I'm like just no you know now I'm in a manager and leader position somebody in my team would tell me that I would get that person fired (laughs) um I think it's it's the experiences it's the fact that I mean, I've had like great mentors. I've had great people to look up to. Um, my former boss, she had a great career. Um, she's had kids and she's been herself and just being around people that's let, you know, told me it's okay. Mm. Proving mm-hmm. people that, you know, I'm really good at my job. Um, a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of therapy. <laughs> a lot of therapy. And that's one of the things as well is since I stepped up into this role, it was important for me to go back onto mm. that kind of therapy and that therapy mm. train and just understanding a bit more about myself. Um, obviously, I know that we, we spoke about it. I did get an ADHD diagnosis about mm. a year ago as well and being on medication has helped and, mm. you know, just accepting that my quirkiness is who I am. Um, I think it's just been a lot of different things um having a kid as well it just help has helped me put some stuff into perspective of what really mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. Um, you're not the first woman that said that I don't have kids so I don't know yeah. but a yeah. lot of women and, say that <laughs> and and also because the team I mean a lot of my team are younger women is I want to be able I want to be able to model mm-hmm. stuff for them I want them to be able to be like she was weird but she you know she helped me <laughs> you know yeah, I, and she fought for me right and, yeah, I, and that's yeah I'm here because some people fought for me and I want to be that mm. and I want to fight for people in ways that people didn't fight for me as well if that makes sense it makes total sense to me I think um, as a fellow ADHD <laughs> <laughs> woman um, I think that feeling of not fitting in is because of how different you actually are in terms of the patterns that you have in your thinking and behavior that when you're little 
and as a, as a girl with ADHD, you present so differently. Nobody picks it up in the same way because you're not being disruptive. <laughs> um, but I think for me, like that that sense of not fitting in definitely mm. came from knowing that I was different and feeling different, but not understanding why. Mm. I wish I wish I'd had known there was a reason, and actually that neurodiversity. Oh, I don't know, age myself here, but like thirty odd years ago, was not as well understood as it is today, right? Or accepted. accepted. And now I think yeah. of like the way that I think is a total superpower because I'm able to put things together and focus on things in a way that I know nobody else can, and do things like start something and <laughs> oh god, and bring it to I, fruition in months. Um, but it's, it, but that but but also similar to you, I think getting having to like get into therapy to really unpick all of that to realize that it wasn't something missing in me or wrong with me there was something missing in my environment where I wasn't understood um but you know now being 40 um that's that's been a long time of, of trying to figure that out so I'm really with with you and just you know, all praise to people who reach out for help with therapy because that is the only place I think really you can heal some of these things that hold you back and totally agree having role models that exemplify who you wish you'd seen on the way up um, and then becoming that mm. is such a powerful way to heal as well I think and um, I feel the same to to an extent that what I what I was missing mm. um, for like my team and the community I guess like being that authentic real person who isn't just on a pedestal perfectly posting things on Instagram all the time about how amazing everything is just being real and honest about oh god how hard it actually is to hold it all together at some dates like we need more of that I think we just need more realness so when yeah when I got my promotion I didn't want to show the team weakness so when I got my promotion last year was at the same time as a big reorganization um the whole team went through complete change like everything and it was it was for the for the best right but my guys didn't know what was next for them they didn't they they needed the focus they needed the strength and all that but I was figuring that shit out too right and I was like I don't want to be too vulnerable because I want them to be able to trust me and the mistake I made is I took on too much of that myself Mm -hmm. and the Wix, the Wix event that you actually organized last October, I don't know if you remember this, but I was in tears at the end of the evening because I had spent the last four months leading to that event just piling on, piling on, piling on, piling on and taking on that mental load of being a new team leader and just trying to shield my team from the struggles that it was to be at this new level and figuring out and protecting them that it was just too much and but I I was scared of showing that side of vulnerability to them and I I ended up having to and they thanked me for it so you know um but the fact with the ADHD the only the only reason I actually went and got an assessment is because I hired a girl who was um during her interview extremely open about it Mm -hmm. um she created a community for women Mm -hmm. um and it's like, I'm going to look into it because I want to make sure that I can manage her adequately because I'm, I feel very strongly <laughs> about having a diverse team. It's like, oh, yeah. this is me. Um, <laughs> and I would have I, I would have not gone down that diagnosis route if she hadn't been so open about it. 
Mm. And she's in her 20s. And I wish I had her strength when I was mm. in my 20s. So, mm. yeah, she's empowered by um, knowledge yeah. and information and her own community yeah. of people around to support her. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just great. <laughs> and now for a quick word from one of our sponsors. We are proud to be supported by Kantar, the world's leading evidence-based insight and consulting company. Kantar CX helps clients define customer and employee experience strategies, better understand their customers via measurement, and in turn, improve business outcomes, driving true commercial ROI. To find out more about Kantar CX practice, please visit the sponsor links on the homepage of womenincx.community. Now back to the episode. I'm just conscious of time and I'm sure the listeners want to hear more about this um, perspective that you have on customer experience and marketing and I know you know you mentioned at the start um, feeling like I think you said illegitimate (laughs) reporting into marketing Um, but I think it would be great for us to just dive in and have a little dig around into how um, marketing and customer experience being aligned can create alignment in its own right mm. um so in your experience like why is it so important that marketing and cx work closely together do you see like marketing it does one function cx does the other do you think they're integrated into like one one thing how do you see it i'm intrigued <laughs> marketing and again as a caveat i'm coming from a b2b um lens because this is what I know and this is what I've spent most of my career in in B2B tech so please you know there might be a caveat from different experiences here um marketing when it comes to B2B marketing is just very 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 focused on the acquisition and that lead Mm -hmm. generation thing and a lot of all the systems that everybody uses and the operations and everything is all built for the acquisition and once the contract signed, it's like, nice, the salesperson's job, right? <laughs> and and that is, is, you know, 15, 20 years of B2B marketing growing up. And I, it's fascinating, like just understanding lead scoring and pipeline and all that. It, it is, as a numbers person, it is actually fascinating. Mm. But the missed opportunity to just not take care of those people post-contract is missed. Again, you look at the data opportunities from customers are twice more likely to sign and cost less you know the cost of acquisition is much smaller um what um why people don't do it i remember as a company meeting recently where you know oh you know as 80 percent of revenue comes from upsell expansion um and i'm like but why is 98 percent of budget spent on marketing right mm-hmm. it just i don't understand obviously it's more expensive to acquire and again it's just understanding it's just yeah encouraging the marketing to look at maturing in terms of expanding the reach and the opportunity and looking at really challenging the status quo i mean when we're looking at when we're looking at what analysts are saying forrester was saying in the predictions the b2b marketing predictions for 2023 they are saying that marketing functions that do not have a lens of the customer's experience are teams that are going to fail. We are seeing more and more CMOs have customer experience metrics on their dashboards, on their KPIs. 
just especially looking at the current econ economical uh, situation, people aren't going to be buying new stuff. They're going to be wanting to keep and make the most out of it. And companies that have got that kind of lens of working on post-sale marketing are teams that are, you know, doing better and more serene and more, you know, better growth. Um, but B2B marketing is, is not as sexy as B2C marketing. You know, we go to B2B conferences and everybody talks about digital transformation. Mm. Like you're selling call center software and you're doing this, it's all digital transformation. It's all very kind of the same. So mm. there is a shift, there is a shift. And that's why I don't believe you can do good customer marketing if you don't have a customer experience lens because you don't, sell to existing customers the same way as you would sell to acquisition you know so mm, and and i don't 100 percent know because i'm not a b2b marketer but mm. in b2c um it's about like the laws of growth have you heard of Ehrenberg bass i have the institute of marketing science so um so they basically revealed that actually customer loyalty is pointless thing to chase um, retention is important obviously it's no point in losing customers and to be able to convert existing customers to buy more is good but actually true growth the laws of growth mean that it's actually um, encouraging passive users who don't feature as frequently and new users so I think that's the reason why so much is stacked into acquisition because growth true growth mm. um, is, is is about more newness yeah <laughs> um, than just purely loyalty um so but the, in my... but the, 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 what you're just saying about the extension of um the relationship management in b2b um i guess that is mm. being called marketing there <laughs> um but the relationship management beyond and you're talking about you know, much higher value aren't you in b2b you're talking mm. about like big contracts rather than small purchases so the erinberg bass institute is much more focused around um repeat purchases of like fmcg type stuff my background's retail so that, that's kind of like <laughs> where, where where i come from um but you know like the loss of a two million pound client because you haven't really managed the relationship or um a certain enterprise software user mm. um yeah so i'm not i'm not i'm, yeah. I'm just in genuinely interested how like the similarities and differences i think what's um what's interesting as well is a lot of that post-sale relationship is extremely focused on the people that sign the checks. Mm -hmm. And it's tend to be, for, we, we forget the end users. Mm -hmm. um, we forget the people that use the product day in, day out, because we're like, why should I talk with the developer? Why should I talk with the person who uses the product? I mean, he's not the one who signs the check. Um, but research shows, I think, that when it comes to buying technology, the end users influence, I think it's what 77% of the purchase decision is based on the end users. And again, the sellers don't know that. And that's where the opportunity that marketing can come in is, is help that building again, community is like federating and accelerating that time to adoption. What do you mean federating? Federating community is is actually making sure that they understand how they can be successful in using that product. Mm -hmm. It's about signposting. It's about onboarding them adequately. Ultimately, it's about accelerating accelerating time to value by making sure they get the best out of it. Um, 
was going to make a make a point and it's completely gone out of my brain <laughs> i was gonna say uh, this is two two women with adhd doing a podcast uh, this will happen <laughs> <laughs> um oh what was i gonna say yeah i had one I before remember. and like i couldn't remember either i know so, just, um, just so this is this is interesting then so like just from from what i'm hearing like yeah. is this this interplay between in the b2b space thinking about kind of the lead generation and sales pipeline the amount of budget that's pumped into to that then uh, once the customer is acquired then investing more into building the relationship using tools like community to encourage removing barriers to adoption encourages encouraging barrier um, sorry encouraging um, increased use of features potentially that's an upsell um, reduce, and using it on and reduce on, cost to serve as well by improving the service. service yeah. yeah being able to spot issues with the products being able to uh, i'm thinking of the david spinks model now of like why spaces yeah 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 spaces model oh uh, why communities make sense but and then it's just um, kind of adding on to that it's a virtuous loop because at the end at the end of that kind of loop is the advocacy um and do you I, like do you work with like referral and stuff for your product we don't need referrals <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, we don't need referrals in the sense of we use a lot of social proof and I have never been in a business that has so many customers that are willing to share their stories about mm. what they've achieved with the product. And, and that's, again, as a virtuous loop is you have to bring the customers to a point where they are willing to be advocates, where they're willing to endorse you and go on record. And I run, well, I run, my team runs, they did the heavy lifting this year, but our <laughs> awards program, and we got 200 entries this year of people willing to tell how, how they've been able to be successful with our product. Oh, All wow. of that content is going to be fed into the marketing engine because, you know, did you know, um, you know, Jaguar Land Rover mm-hmm. has done X, Y, and Z. Do you know NHS has done X, Y, and Z? because we've been able to build that relationship with the customer and we've been able to accelerate time to value. And again, it's not mm-hmm. just marketing, it's the whole customer facing ecosystem, mm-hmm. but because everybody's talking together and marketing is able to add the jazz hands and mm-hmm. add elements of orchestration and the skill set that you have in marketing, we now have this pool of advocates that can create all of this goodness and content that can then go into the marketing campaigns. Literally, as we were going to come on this call, I was actually speaking to the campaigns team and they want to build a guide of, you know, what's the what's the reality? Let's just move away from the fluff and actual what are the real tangible tips? Charlotte, can you help? It's like, well, why don't we just get the community to answer those questions? Mm-hmm. User generated content goes into the marketing content, makes the content more relevant, mm-hmm. makes it better. But we can only do that if we have a good experience with the customers by building a good community. And it just, yeah, it ties all in together, really. And I think for me, that's where I was just visualizing that this is the customer experience because you're then being able to look from the point of being um, awareness of the product through the entire sales cycle to look at the um moments that matter that can drive action and therefore Mm. results and just because they don't necessarily all sit in customer service or customer support which is typically where customer experience Mm. is being driven towards um essentially you're building this ecosystem and experientially Mm. for um customer acquisition through retention i was going to say referral but advocacy in this case 
and you can actually design for that right and um and, and that's align your metrics to, to yeah and and that's where I and do voice see... the customer exactly and that's where i do see the the i'm talking about marketing skill set this is where you can add intentional marketing programs and using marketing tactics mm. to enhance or orchestrate to accelerate certain things right and to just add a bit of gloss add a bit of structure to just help tie it in together and that's where i'd say that my field marketing years have been the most you know federating because it's taught me that mindset of tracking things in that way and organizing with that kind of level of diligence and organizing events and stuff like that again mm. it just helps tie it all together mm. I remember what I was going to say in my previous job <laughs> we were that. able we were able to prove that um customers if a customer and as in a previous industry if a customer buys new licenses within the next six months they were 15 times more likely to become an enterprise grade customer so what do we do how do we accelerate that and yes there is the relationship there's the sales the commercials but on a marketing perspective maybe it's you know sending the right message at the right time maybe it's an email here and there maybe it's maybe it's some paid on LinkedIn just oh by the way did you know that you could do this with your product and again those are marketing skill sets mm -hmm. that are important to try and enhance what that experience and what that journey looks like mm. yeah to totally agree and totally with you I'm um, just thinking about like how much of customer experience is actually driven by like email marketing even um even though you're already a customer but in helping you understand features and benefits and gamification for example like you take an action rewarding and recognizing for taking that action encouraging people like you can um create experiences differently I think when you've got community and products as in like digital mm. products um, but typically what I see is this massive disconnect that you talked about early in this podcast between and these huge silos that sit in between sales product customer support <laughs> and like yeah so fair play to you to be leading the way on on um on on figuring out so I'd, so i don't think you yeah well so yes i don't think you are um as you put it um legitimate illegitimate yeah i think you're just developing customer experience practice in a space mm. that there's just a bit of a vacuum and absence of it so yeah. um i just would encourage you to keep going and keep documenting and talking about what you are doing because yeah. i'm sure those learnings would be super valuable for other teams that are struggling with the same thing this clash between sales marketing and customer success and support um, I had um, a very similar conversation actually I was invited to speak at a conference um, a company called Gainsight that does customer success and I basically my whole my whole pitch was like you guys need to make friends with marketing guys <laughs> again customer success mm. um, are my best friends because they they, you know, they extend the voice of what we're doing and all of that. But mm -hmm. again, because marketing has such a bad rep and I know it's the case for B2B, mm -hmm. I'm just really hoping that we're, we're going to be able to turn things around as a function, that we're seen more as the people that send swag, pens, organize events um, <laughs> and write emails, right? Or more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah well well best of luck to you um it sounds like it's a very exciting time and you're getting the traction aren't you it's, it's playing out in the metrics um and like you know to say we don't even need referrals because we've got so much social proof of success means it's working right yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so is there anything you'd like to add around that topic um, no I think the only thing that I would say is is it is important to measure and it is important to align the measurements with what the business is measuring obviously mm-hmm. I am in a marketing organization reporting in the CMO on North Star is is pipeline mm-hmm. how do you how do you translate the initiatives that you're doing into what those metrics that matter obviously we're seeing a lot of layoffs happen sadly mm-hmm. um, yeah in tech mm-hmm. it's very important you yes measuring is good but you need to make sure that those numbers align with what your what matters to the business because right now i know that our top top targets and this is i am a warm and fuzzy person and i love humans and i want you know if if and i'm not gonna say if mps could be mine because i'm mps is a whole other kind of worms but we're happy we're not going there today if, if, <laughs> if customers being happy you know if charlotte yeah. your job is to make customers happy i would love for that but the reality is if i can't in, if I can't prove to my management that, that what we're growth. doing is imp- is tangibly impacting revenue and mm-hmm. improving margin, then I'm going. My team's going to be the first one to go. And because CX is often seen as a warm and fuzzies, it does put us more at risk. And that's why I've been very ruthless in making sure that everything that we do can be tied back into that influence on revenue which makes me feel a bit dirty sometimes because it's not all about money. But, you know, if we're not earning money, then the team doesn't have a job. And that's at the end of the day, what counts. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I did say like we're at my very successful time in big business is when I was reporting into the marketing director, who, to be fair, acted much more like a chief customer officer than than just marketing um, focus. But everything I did, therefore, was able to be so closely aligned to the brand strategy and what we were trying to achieve as a brand as well as what we were trying to achieve as an organization and being able to uh, bring customer experience to things like activations at the time and these huge like you know multi-million pound investments in advertising that we then get to take those messages from above the line and actually make them true in the experience it was absolutely incredible one of the best times of my life in customer experience Um, but just to bring us home I, I just had that ADHD moment I was going to say something else and I can't remember what it was <laughs> um oh yeah sorry but it was that I remembered it was um that in relation to this Ehrenberg brass stuff that I um I've noticed actually all massive ad agencies now have a customer experience function and everything I read that's now related to growth includes something in one of the big strategic points around now integrating customer experience so from um you know kind of like segmentation of the market running right through to delivering the truth of the promises that you're being that are being made in these emotional connections in advertising I think actually we're at a point where you include technology in this that customer experience needs a 2.0 to be able to leverage the the value (laughs) that can come from alignment and um I just really really hope and I see it in the community all the time now because we've got such a diverse group of women Mm. from so many industries backgrounds cultures 
um, business stages. Uh, we've got so many, what we, you know, we're, we're about women in customer experience and technology now, aren't we? Mm. So I think we're seeing this like emergence of this old stuff mm. that we've been told to do for years just doesn't work anymore. And in something I read this morning, um, big marketing agency, basically it was just like, there's no point having personas anymore because actually you need to be looking at market. And, you know, that's like one of the key things that we use in customer experience, isn't it? Like mm. personas rather than marketing segments. And if we're trying to create value propositions in too narrow a niche when the direction that marketing is going in is actually to be more broad, then we're going to end up with this even further dis- disalignment. Is that a word? Misalignment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> disalignment. Disconnect. Um, disconnect um between what we think we're here to do and um yeah i'm really hopeful we've got some amazing speakers coming into the community this year from marketing and technology to start to have some fireside chats to figure this out yeah. but i just like to thank you so much charlotte no is there is there one type, top takeaway or piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with today don't be scared don't be scared don't be scared don't be scared you know you're you're going to be in situations that are uncomfortable. You're going to be in meetings and talking to people where you're like, what? Don't, don't be scared to think differently. and <clears throat> Don't be scared to fight for what you believe in. Um, yeah, I think that's it really is, you know, we're not going to be able to make change where change needs to happen if we just accept the status quo. Um, and if you think differently, that's okay. Just try and understand why you're thinking differently. Mm-hmm. So, so that's it, women in CX audience, stay weird. <laughs> It'll be your biggest asset in the long term as long as you can accept Absolutely. and embrace it and not feel um, triggered or hampered by the fact that you are different. So yeah, and anyone who is different, we love diversity over in the women in CX community, more than welcome to come and join us. You'll find friendship, home and support for authenticity women in cx so that's it for this week thank you so much for coming charlotte thank you claire for the opportunity thank you for letting me you know um vent and talk a lot i appreciate it <laughs> you're so welcome and thank you to everybody who's listened or watched along as well we'll see you all next time bye for now thanks bye thanks for listening to the inspiring women in cx podcast with me claire musket If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out www.womenincx.community forward slash membership. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our community members from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean about how emerging technologies like ChatGPT will impact customer experience management. See you all soon.